0: Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. Dial 678-ESOG now for a solution to your foundation and waterproofing problems. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. You know, this is one of those days, and we've had a lot of those lately, where there is just so much going on, a lot to cover here. Related to everything in the lead up to the start of National Signing Day tomorrow. I call it National Signing Day. I guess the technical phrase, it's really the beginning of the early signing period. And obviously for Georgia, it's expected to be a very busy one as Georgia puts the cap on another elite class. We're going to try to cover all of this over the course of our show here today as best as we can possibly can. And like the one thing that you do see some chatter about, in kind of the 24 hours prior to the start of all of this is georgia seemingly trending with more big names and in at least one case maybe a name that we probably haven't talked about a ton up until uh right now let me show you this on tw- uh twitter from uh, alu Ba, georgia offensive line commit kind of giving his shout outs for the start of the early signing period and uh ba references a couple of georgia names in particular he says we're gonna see you wednesday and he references kamari wilson and he references dale everett Now, in the case of Wilson, this is a name that we've talked about for quite some time. This is a guy that we have sort of thought was probably in the mix pretty well for Georgia here along the way. And tomorrow, we're going to find out one way or another if it is indeed the case that Kamari Wilson's ready to choose UGA and if Georgia can add this five-star safety to go on and go along with everything else that it's brought in from a defensive back standpoint already for this class of 2022. And Kamari Wilson will be quite an addition in on all of that, and we'll find out tomorrow if that's indeed the case uh that's going to be a, a pretty fun a pretty fun one in fact dog nation gonna have big coverage of the kamari wilson announcement tomorrow that's going to be really good however the other thing that when a boss says that gets a lot of folks attention is when he mentions dalen everett there too now you know the story with everett everett was a former clemson it's a five-star cornerback this is a, a big time name and on the heels of everett decommitting from clemson and visiting alabama here this weekend Man, there is all kinds of chatter about Everett and Georgia right now. If you're on the internet and you're paying, you know, close attention to all this, you cannot help but notice that that Georgia seems to be moving down the road here pretty fast with Dalen Everett. So this is the thing that has kind of come to define those final twenty-four hours prior to the start of a recruiting cycle. That Georgia obviously for the most part, we'll finish off with one or two names that we kind of expect Georgia to be kind of in the fold with. And those of us who follow UG recruiting have also kind of gotten spoiled related to the fact that Georgia also seems to be able to add somebody that it trended with very late or kind of flurried with very late to kind of get in that mix with. And right now, Dalen Everett seems to be one of those guys. So I would say keep it close to Dog Nation all day tomorrow, because if the online chatter, if the internet is to be believed, then it certainly appears that Georgia is in really kind of a growing position with Dalen Everett there as well. Interesting to see Aluba kind of mentioning him in the midst of all of this. Then there's another name that Georgia seems to be kind of on the move with in a positive way there as well and this kind of goes back to something we talked about a little bit yesterday the fact that the chatter related to george and marvin jones jr does not seem to be slowing down very much on the heels of jones visit to uga this past weekend i showed you some photographic evidence of jones in athens yesterday let me show you another photo that i think is really cool that's kind of gotten some attention this is apparently uh marvin jones mother on twitter sharing nice photo of herself with uh marvin there in the uh, georgia locker room first of all how good is it does it looked to see the Georgia locker room now all decorated for Christmas you got the Christmas lights there you got the uh, Christmas tree there in the background uh it was also her birthday so she says well, it was your birthday and four days left to commit let's do this best present any mom can ask for and you know she's certainly proud of her son no matter where he ends up signing no matter where he ends up going to see the way in which you know he seems to be obviously a very coveted recruit very coveted prospect this time of year so this is I'm certain a very happy time for her kind of coinciding with her birthday there as well some folks on video were earlier asking me, you know, I'm kind of, I guess people like to kind of mock me a little bit for my chortle. That's my big laughs when, when Georgia gets some good recruiting news, I believe Jones, if he were to come to Georgia tomorrow, I believe that might get the biggest chortle of all for me, like no disrespect to a guy like Daylon Everett, but Jones is just the kind of example of a couple things here first of all, the kind of elite edge rush prospect that Jones is, that's the kind of thing that I think really represents a need for Georgia here in 2022. I don't think there's any doubt that's something that Georgia kind of needs more of. And that's about as good a answer to that as you could possibly get when you think about what Georgia has the potential to lose or is set to lose you know suddenly a a good bit of depth in this outside linebacker situation all of a sudden doesn't quite seem so robust going into next season I mean this time a year ago Georgia was so deep at outside linebacker that a guy like Jermaine Jones uh excuse me uh, Jermaine Johnson uh would 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 leave Georgia go into Florida State become ACC player of the year because he was gonna have to share snaps here in this Georgia defense that's how deep Georgia was the outside linebacker spot 12 months ago well uh, a few months from now all of a sudden that's going to feel very different Georgia needs more elite names than outside linebacker room so to add a guy like Jones I would say if you're looking for a chortle for me that's about as chortle worthy of a recruiting addition I think you can expect to have on national signing day beyond that here's the other thing about Marvin that I think you like so much we talked about this last week related to A guy like Oscar Delp, I interviewed Delp on TV the other night, and Delp was talking about how his belief in Georgia was solidified because he saw the way in which UGA used Brock Bowers, and suddenly there was a real proof of concept that could make Delp feel confident that if he came to UGA, he would also be used the same way. That This wasn't one of those things where you were asking someone to use their imagination of, hey, I know we're not using your position right now, but if you come here, we're going to use you. We're not doing this now because we don't have you, but once we have a player like you, we'll use you the way you need to be used. Well, ultimately, Folks just don't have much of an imagination for stuff like that. They want to, you know, seeing is believing. They want to see someone that looks like them being used the way they want to be used. In the case of Delp, he saw that with Bowers and it was easy for him to want to follow in Brock's footsteps on that. I think in a lot of ways, Marvin Jones Jr. could be the defensive version of that same thing because, listen, terrific edge rush type guys want to get after quarterback. And for a long time, In the Kirby Smart era, this was a very good defense for Georgia, but not necessarily a dominant defense in terms of getting after the quarterback. Very good statistical defenses in 2017, 2018, 2019 were not exactly – all that aggressive at getting after quarterbacks in fact we know going into the start of the 2019 season that was the kind of thing that georgia made a big emphasis georgia talked about havoc rate hey every player remember could cite the definition of havoc rate on command basically because that was the emphasis that georgia wanted to have going into that season ultimately didn't really work out that way i think some of the struggles of the offense caused georgia to decide to be less aggressive defensively if you ask me but one way or another these were good Georgia defenses that weren't giving up very many yards. They weren't giving up very many points, but they also weren't really getting after quarterbacks or getting after uh, ball carriers in the backfield. They weren't getting a lot, a lot of really negative plays. And elite recruits noticed that. They want to go to a place where they're going to get some glory. And it's just human nature to want to feel that way. You want stats. You want all that kind of coming your way. You want that. And, um, and in 2017, 2018, 2019, this Georgia defense just wasn't really providing that but in 2020 that started to change and we talked about this even though there was obviously some defensive breakdowns in the Florida game and the Alabama game the overall personality the overall tone of this Georgia defense really started to evolve we gave Dan Lanning a ton of credit for that Georgia was sacking quarterbacks more in 2020 than it had in previous seasons and obviously Aziz Ojolari kind of led the way with that individually but in 2021 with Ojalari no longer here once again the Dan Lanning system Dan Lanning's influence on this Kirby smart system also seem to create a, just a more robust pass rush. And Georgia eclipsed that 40-sack mark that we've been kind of calling for the Dogs to do for a long time. Well, now Lanning is gone, and Georgia needs more pass rushers for the future. And oh yeah, by the way, if you want another reason why the potential addition of Jones would be such a big deal, the fact that Georgia might be able to be doing this, the online chatter suggests they are certainly in the mix here, whether they actually win this recruitment or not, uh, the fact that Georgia's kind of in the mix on all of this, Even with the position coach and defensive coordinator that maybe Jones was thinking he might play for if he came to Georgia, announcing during Jones' visit to UGA that he's going to Oregon, the fact that Georgia still seems to be in at least enough of a position with Marvin that it's worth talking about one day before signing day, I think that speaks pretty well for Georgia all the way around now I guess the other name that folks will you know kind of wonder about here a little bit because he's obviously the top prospect in the state and he's obviously a guy that has justifiably gotten a lot of attention that's Travis Hunter and you know I don't really have much new to you know uh, say about this I mean obviously a lot of fans are going to continue to ask questions about this we know that Hunter's taken some visits to Georgia we know what kind of player that he is you know, even coming off of injury, you saw him in the state championship game. He just looked amazing. I have at least some reason to believe that he's probably been in Athens even more so than he has been publicly reported to have been there. So, you know, Georgia has certainly become an influence in Hunter ahead of National Signing Day, but not quite yet enough for me to believe that there's a whole lot to this. There's almost like a paradox for me with Travis Hunter in that if Georgia is going to flip a player, who has been quietly committed to Florida State for as long, or I should say, not quietly committed, solidly committed, very, very um, emphatically committed to the, to the Seminoles for as long as he has been. It's almost like the way you would do that is to sort of sneak up and do it very quietly on your own. That if there's any chance of this happening, that the best proof of that may be no news whatsoever. Uh, whereas you know the more there's chatter about this the more there's there, there's seemingly some sort of you know gravitational pull there the more that might reignite ignite florida state to try to close this thing there at the end but ultimately i have really no choice here other than to take hunter at his word he has been very clear that he sees himself as a florida state commit my assumption is that's kind of how he sticks before it's all said and done that he'll kind of remain as committed to Florida State as he says he has been I think that George has kind of made a run at this I think George has done what it could do to get him on campus but ultimately it may not extend much beyond that however certainly there seems to be a lot more smoke around you know Marvin Jones Jr. right now around obviously Dalen Everett right now and that's two potential big time ads to go on with to go along with all the other names that we already expect to be talking about this is the thing we've just become conditioned to assume that on that day before signing day that start of the signing period that george is going to be heavily in the mix with top names at a number of positions and once again here for the 2022 cycle well that once again appears to be true my name is brandon adams and this is dog nation daily the daily podcast for georgia bulldogs fans presented today by engineered solutions of georgia and so glad to have you with us no matter how you get to us today live on video nine forty-five for our first and 15 at dognation.com and on the dog nation app also 10 a.m facebook youtube twitter twitch we join you there on video radio at noon on Athens sports radio 963 up by the way big day of coverage of national signing day with our friends in Athens tomorrow on the radio there too so if you're in the Athens area I'm sure you'll check out 963F for all of that and of course uh podcast form wherever you find them including the apple player spotify WorldFamousDogNation.com, all kinds of ways for you to get our program we just really appreciate you checking that out and allowing us to kind of narrate this experience as Georgia gets ready for another national signing day and another elite recruiting class fun to be talking about all of that with you and big thanks to our friends at engineered solutions of Georgia for making it all possible you know ESOG the one to turn to for your foundation your waterproofing issues and this time of year a lot of rain things like that you maybe see evidence of water intrusion to your house it's the kind of thing that you know you gotta take very seriously gotta make sure that that you're getting that seen about because enough time over time that'll cause a lot of damage there to your home so get it seen about right now. Trust my friends at ESOG. First of all, it's fun to do business with Engineered Solutions of Georgia. They're proud partners of UGA. They're longtime supporters of Dog Nation Daily. Nothing pleases me more and nothing fills me with gratitude more than those of you that support those that support us. And Engineered Solutions of Georgia has been a great partner of ours for a long time, as well as a proud partner of UGA there, too. They've also got two full-time engineers on staff. What that means is smart people. This is the structural integrity of your home. Anything that threatens your foundation threatens your most valuable asset, the kind of thing that you have uh, a huge, huge uh, financial incentive to want to protect. And ESOG understands all of that. So let them provide a solution to your foundation waterproofing problems. After all, they're a solutions-based company. Sometimes it's a simple fix. Sometimes it's more complicated, but either way, they're the ones to turn to, to help give you the advice you need. Lean on their expertise for all of this. A very simple number to dial. Easy to remember. Simply dial 678-ESOG-NOW. That's 678 ESOG now. That'll get you in touch with our friends at Engineered Solutions of Georgia. And it's great to have them presenting Dog Nation Daily here today. All right, coming up in a few minutes, it's Connor Riley. We will cover all of the bases for Georgia ahead of the start of the early signing period. We'll do a lot of that with Connor here coming up in just a little bit. Before that, though, I want to go around the doghouse. It is uh, presented today by Georgia's own credit union. And. Already, some recruiting news for Georgia coming in the last 24 hours. The last name that obviously you know, Drew Bobo, the son of Mike Bobo, has committed to UGA as a part of its 2022 class. I'll show you this on the screen. Uh, good stuff from the official edit here for Bobo obviously looking pretty happy there in that edit to be a part of this 2022 class for Georgia and I think it's always fun when you can add a legacy name like this and uh, obviously there are a lot of folks that will really tout Bobo as a player which you really enjoy there too so it's fun to be able to say a name that we know and say this is already also joining all those other names that are in the fold here for the Georgia 2022 class including some of the ones that will be added um tomorrow now the other thing you'll kind of add in context with this, okay, is what about other offensive linemen? It's great to have Mike Bobo, Bobo's son here in Georgia. Drew Bobo is a guy that has been well received on the recruiting circuit for the last year or so. But what else is going on with the Georgia offensive line right now? I think that's certainly fair to ask. And you know, for the most part, I have kind of. I don't want to say I've shrugged it off, but I probably have not participated in the hysteria that some have participated in related to the UG offensive line this year. I think that Georgia's offensive line in 2021 on the field has been good, but I do believe it stopped short of being great. And I've tried to have some perspective related to this in that, You know, this is not fantasy football. This is real football. You get what you can get and you go out there and you do the best you can with what you have. And sometimes you don't have 22 first team All Americans. Sometimes you have overwhelming strengths. Georgia has a few of those. Sometimes you have weaknesses. Maybe Georgia's got one of those. Maybe it doesn't. In other cases, you've got, you know, good but not great. In the case of the offensive line, that's kind of what I believe Georgia has. And. I think the reality that you're facing here is is that's fine for twenty twenty one. But given the profile that still exists for Georgia, given the fact that even with the influence that Todd Munkin has had on this offense, and I do think that Munkin's influence has been profound, even with that, this is still a Georgia team that wants to control the ball, that does want to run the football, that wants to, you know, kind of win the time of possession battle. This is a team that still wants to get those yards on the ground. And this has not been a great version of that kind of offense for georgia here this year and when you kind of follow that truth up and i believe that is true with you know a collection of offensive line additions for the class of 2022 that are not quite of the same profile that we've kind of become used to seeing from uga i think it does raise a couple of issues for the georgia offensive line going into next season chiefly there's this that you've got a lot of elite recruits that you have collected over the last couple of cycles and next year it's really imperative that Georgia unleash them on the rest of college football. Now some of that's Tate Rattledge coming back from injury but in other cases you're talking about Broder Jones being the kind of player that without hesitation without qualification you can trust to put out there in a major role as a bedrock for your line next season. That's certainly true for Marius Mims there as well which is really as good a prospect as Georgia's brought in in that position group but next year's the year he really needs to show that and you can mention Michael Morris if you want to in that discussion or you know uh, other names you know in, in that regard but next year I think is a really important year for the Georgia offensive line And really, probably a really important year for Matt Luke as the steward of that offensive line to take what's been a good group this year, utilize more of that young talent that is in the program, make this a great group going forward. Because listen, that was the identity of Georgia while Sam Pittman was the offensive line coach for this team. And Pittman has now been gone going on two years. And I would say that the offensive line certainly has not become a weakness for UGA. That's overstating things to a great degree. But this is also not the kind of offensive line dominance that we saw in 2017, 2018. And on the field in 2022, that's kind of what Georgia needs to get back to. And that'll give time, you know, guys like Drew Bobo and others time to kind of grow into the role that exists for them there at UGA. So this is going to be one of those recruiting cycles where the 2022 offensive linemen probably don't get as much attention uh, as some of the other position groups that Georgia is looking to fill up here. And a lot of that's because of what Georgia kind of already has in the fold in the program and some of those guys who've been waiting their wings who have the elite credentials that did get a lot of signing day pub when they joined this program you know next year really kind of needs to be their year to shine so that's a conversation will be had in greater detail once the offseason gets here but for now George is using what it has to try to obviously uh get it done the college football playoff and we'll be following that too it's around the doghouse it is presented today by our friends at george's own credit union of course this is a holiday shopping time of year and you're out there and you're shopping online or you're going into stores and you're doing all that kind of stuff and as you do that Obviously, one of the things I hope you take with you is one of those Visa Signature and Platinum cards from our friends at Georgia's Own Credit Union. It's a great way to buy things online. And when you get one of those Visa Signature Platinum cards for Georgia's Own Credit Union, you also get a lot of great incentives just for signing up. First of all, it's a very convenient card to have, it offers all kinds of features and benefits like contactless payments, which is a really cool thing. But you also get tons of incentives for having your card, for using your card. I'm talking about uh, you know, things that can be used like merchandise or cash back or all kinds of great rewards for being a part of George's own credit union and getting one of those visa signature and platinum cards. So here's what I need you to do to find out about all the great benefits you have coming your way through this. Check out georgesown.org check out own.org. you're able to see that today uh learn about the visa signature and platinum cards learn about how it can make your shopping experience here this time of year so much better it's great to have georgia's own credit union as a part of around the doghouse here today all right it is a very very busy news day around the sec big addition into the league potentially some guys leaving the league quarterback transfers kind of all over the place we're gonna get ready to cover all of that here in a little bit but for now in the final buildup. Up towards the start of national signing day and everything else that's going on let's get a kroger fresh take and let's talk to dog nation's connor riley right now from athens and across the sec or wherever the recruiting trail may lead here's a DogNation.com insider we will say hello to connor riley doing a great job covering all of this for a uh, dog always a uh, fun thing to be able to do another recruiting cycle, Georgia right in the mix for another elite class, the same way so many folks would expect expect there on that. And I guess, Connor, let me bring you in on what I was just discussing. I think that, you know, obviously to see another name added to this twenty twenty two class yesterday is I think a really good thing. And anytime you have a chance to add a UGA legacy, especially one that comes with the accolades that Bobo has, I think that's a really good thing there as well. I think it also fits into a larger discussion with the Georgia offensive line where it's not going to be as much of a high-profile position group here in 2022 as maybe we've kind of come to expect from UGA, certainly during, during the Pittman era, I think that's probably okay there as well as long as the elite recruits that Georgia has brought in there in recent years really become a much more prominent part of the off discussion here this year. Georgia's offensive line in 2021 has been good, probably not great. I think in 2022, one way or another, whether it be you know new additions to the program or guys who've been here for a, for a year or two, I think the Georgia offensive line needs to take a step towards greatness once again in 2022.
1: I would agree with that. I, I think you need guys like, say, a, a Micah Morris to play next year. You need Broderick Jones to get on the field. You need, you know, Amarius Mims is going to be tough because Warren McClendon is a really good offensive lineman and probably coming back. But Mims is a guy, you look at his profile and think, yeah, that's a guy that we need to have come back and play next season or eventually get his way onto the field. I, I know people want to be down on this offensive line recruiting class. But look at the last two cycles who they have signed. You've got Broderick Jones, Tate Ratledge, Cedric Von Prawn, all top 60 prospects in their respective recruiting class. You look at the recruiting class last year, Amarius Mims, Michael Morris, Dylan Fairchild, all top 100 prospects. It's hard to continue to recruit those guys every single year to sign three straight classes of three top 100 offensive line prospects when of those six guys listed – Only one of them is going to start in your college football playoff game against Michigan out there. So you need to get those guys on the field. Now, if Tate Rattledge were healthy this year, obviously he is playing and starting at that right guard spot, and I would expect him to be penciled in, assuming that foot injury heals, to be a starter next year. You have Cedric Von at center. You're going to have Broderick Jones out there at left tackle. What happens at that other guard spot, we'll see. But I will say this, for everyone who's going to want to see Amarius Mims play and get on the field – Warren McLennan is about as good of an offensive lineman as you can get, and while he might not have had the high-star recruiting ranking, he is a very, very good player.
0: The other thing I'll say related to Mims is this, is that some people might be tempted to say, well, what does George really have in Amarius, given the fact that he hasn't played very much this year? I'll remind you in 2017, Isaiah Wilson wasn't playing at all, And, and forget what Wilson became once he got to the NFL. That's a totally different story, and obviously we continue to have prayers for him, but at Georgia, playing in 2018 and playing in 2019, Isaiah Wilson became a very good offensive tackle for Georgia, even though Wilson, by his own admission, was not ready to play in 2017. So, you know, this notion that anybody's behind schedule, you know, Georgia's a different program than it was in 2017, where it had to have an Andrew Thomas play as a true freshman. Otherwise, it wasn't going to have enough quality offensive linemen. In 2021, for Georgia, that just shouldn't really be the case anymore because you've had enough years to kind of build that depth. And I think the offensive line, for the most part, has gotten the job done here this year but you do hope especially in a cycle where you're not bringing in a lot of you know high four and five star names a guy like Ernest Green would appear to be going to Alabama instead of coming to UGA I just think it puts a bigger spotlight on what Georgia has added in that position group over certainly the last cycle or not if not the last cycle or two
1: yeah I agree and so with that you know it's good that you have sort of a robust line of guys ready to go but it's also sort of Again, this was always going to be a weird spot when you have the talent drain that you have on the offensive line, specifically from that 2019 season. You see multi-year starters like Andrew Thomas and Solomon Kinley and Isaiah Wilson all head off to the NFL. It's hard to replace that. Remember, Jamari Sawyer, who's been excellent for Georgia and all SEC offensive linemen, he couldn't get on the field in his time there at Georgia for the first two years because of the same sort of problem that we've seen now. So... When it comes to offensive line, again, I think this might be a more one-class aberration than necessarily the trend going forward where they are going to take more developmental prospects on the offensive line.
0: Um, let's move on. I want to try to talk about as many names we can here for a moment. Based on the online chatter, I think it's fairly obvious that Georgia is very much involved with Dalen Everett right now. Uh, I kind of shared you what you know Alouba said, but even beyond that, all kinds of you know industry noise here, message board uh, noise here. It seems like this is real now. Whether it results in you know Everett signing with UGA, I guess, remains to be seen. But Georgia right now stands to be a pretty big beneficiary from this Clemson decommitment. You've seen Oceans Eleven, correct? Of course.
1: Fantastic movie it came out twenty years ago last. I
0: actually week. referenced Ocean 11, Ocean's Eleven on the show last week, ironically.
1: So uh, there's one of the scenes in the in the movie. Fantastic movie, you should go watch it. I believe it is on uh, a certain certain subscription channel that you can watch uh, if you're into that sort of thing. And Brad Pitt and George Clooney are sitting down. They're talking. They're trying. And George Clooney has has this plan. He's like, I want to knock over a casino, like, a casino. And he's like, No. And He holds up three fingers. I want to knock over a three. Yeah. I think Georgia's going to get three five-stars tomorrow.
0: Okay, so I I, I, I want to spoil your news here. I want you to lay this out. But it is interesting you're saying this because sometimes you see this happen in life where, like, elections kind of work this way. Where, like, sometimes it's just a landslide. Sometimes you get some early indicators. They were just sort of heading for a landslide. That it does sort of seem like to me that if Georgia gets some good news tomorrow, it's the kind of good news that might snowball a little bit. So let me let you follow that some more there.
1: So we'll start with... What we most soundly feel confident in, Kamari Wilson, yeah. he's set to announce at 4 p.m. tomorrow we have live coverage of that here on Dog Nation. Despite we, the
0: fact that, that that Kamari visited Florida this past weekend, does not seem like the enthusiasm for Georgia has slowed down very much. The that.
1: reading of the green there still feels very positive about Georgia. Dalen Everett is the other name to sort of monitor there. A five-star cornerback, the uh, former Clemson commitment that you referenced a second ago. We do not net yet know a time of which he will be announcing, but... The vibes that I am getting are that Georgia feels like it is in a very good position to land Everett, and I, you can look at the secondary and see why it is going out and recruiting as many talented defensive back options as they are because they need not only do they need more talent in there, they just need flat out need more bodies, and they're going to lose a good chunk of the secondary again this year. So whether Everett or Jaheem Singletary or Malachi Starks end up playing early is irrelevant, I think, at this point in time what you really just need are bodies and guys to have in there. And so landing a guy like Everett I think would re- be really big. And I think one of the stories that we're going to see from this recruiting cycle and from this class is Georgia benefiting directly from the turmoil at both Florida and Clemson. I think yep. they, there's a good chance they really clean up there. And then the third name, and again, this is, this is the shakiest of the three, but we swing for home runs here. It's how, the way we play baseball when it comes to Georgia recruiting. Marvin Jones Jr. Yeah. You mentioned him a little bit earlier. Five star ed- edge rusher. I don't know if you've taken took a look at the the depth situation at outside linebacker. It's it's bad. Yeah. It's not good. And I know there's been some rumblings about how Lanning recruited that position in recent years. Obviously, Adam Anderson's suspension due to some legal um accusations are a big reason why. You know, sort of things look as bleak as they do right now. But even beyond that, you know, Anderson was going to be gone after this year regardless. Nolan Smith has an NFL decision to make. If he leaves, you're looking at Chaz Chambliss Chambliss and M.J. Sherman really as your top two options there at that outside linebacker position. And so a guy like – if you can go out and land a guy like Marvin Jones Jr., pair him with a guy like Darius Smith who you're bringing in – I think that really helps your outside linebacker room in terms of depth, and there's a very obvious chance that a guy like Jones, as talented as he is, can come in and play early. So those are sort of the stakes for tomorrow, and then obviously four-star linebacker Shamar James is set to announce later on in the day, but there's a chance around 5 o'clock tomorrow Georgia is celebrating getting three five-star signees on national signing day
0: yeah I mean that's a really exciting setup for what could happen tomorrow and I joke with our audience about this a little earlier that you know people have kind of you know mocked me for my like chortle thing my big laugh when Georgia gets a, a big piece of news and for me the biggest possible piece of news that Georgia could get tomorrow I do think it would be Marvin Jones jr. for a couple of reasons first of all I love the idea of Georgia showcasing what it's done this season producing 40 plus sacks as a way of attracting more guys that could do the same thing in the future and that's kind of what this would be I believe if Jones joins the fold here I also like Georgia flexing to show that hey we may have lost our outside linebackers coach and our defensive coordinator but we're not slowing down with what we're doing from a recruiting standpoint and then the third thing is this is that if you look at like Position value. Clearly, you'd want to have the best quarterback in the country if you could. And I would say the second best position to have is probably the very best wide receiver in the country. That's just kind of what college ball's become. But number three on that list, I believe, is the best out the bed the, the best edge outside rusher, quarterback sack guy. That may be the third most valuable commodity in all of football in college football there as well. And that's what Jones arguably would have a chance to be. This would be about as big an ad as Georgia could have if it could get it.
1: I mean, look at Alabama's team currently the number one team in the country. Pretty soundly beat Georgia the other week. I I think you and I would both agree, even based on the results of that game, Georgia was probably the better team at most spots. But Alabama had a clear edge at three positions. Quarterback, wide receiver, and edge rusher. Good point. And that's sort of the way college football is nowadays. You need a quarterback that can win you games and make explosive plays. You need... A, a dynamic receiver, doesn't really matter how fast he is, but preferably the faster the better, and you need a guy that can just create a sack out of nowhere. And, and so if Georgia's able to land a guy like that and Jones and Gunnar Stockton or Brock Vandegrift, whoever fulfills that at quarterback, Georgia takes another step closer to being that. I think one of the other interesting things to monitor so much tomorrow is look at who Georgia's competing with for some of the guys we just mentioned. Dalen Everett, it's a Georgia-Alabama battle. Marvin Jones Jr. sounds like it is a Georgia-Alabama yeah. at battle, though Florida State is in there as well. Shamar James, a Georgia-Alabama tomorrow. Georgia's success tomorrow against Alabama on the recruiting trail, while it's not going to swing the results of this season, I think it would be very telling about the trajectory of Georgia ultimately trying to pass Alabama as the premier program in college football because I think that's something where if you get three of those wins tomorrow, say – I think you feel a little bit better about that, whereas you know, six o'clock. Let's say things don't exactly go great for Georgia; they go one for three on those. It's still, you're still looking up the mountain at Alabama.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really true, and I think it also kind of brings what happened in last year's cycle back into the conversation there too where Alabama really cleaned up probably you know put together one of the best class of all time and they did so without visits that Alabama kind of leaned on prestige a year ago when there were no visits to be had whereas this year in the presence of visits Georgia just seems to do a better job with the vi- – if, if this cycle finishes off with mm-hmm. the names you just mentioned, then Georgia can say, hey, we just do a better job with the visits. We close with Jones on his final visit. Alabama failed to close with Everett on his final visit. That, that for the Georgia fan that wants some hope that eventually Georgia can overtake Alabama, the fact that Georgia leans on visits to win recruiting battles that Alabama wants to win – would be an example of that if these if these decisions go the way that UGA wants. And I do realize that ultimately recruiting wins are a small, you know, consolation for on-field wins. That's the thing that the Georgia fan probably craves right now more than anything else. But you can't get the on-field win unless you get enough of those talent acquisition wins there, too. These are not empty calories that George would have a chance to consume if it were to win these recruiting battles there tomorrow. And I think it would say something pretty strong about the recruiting apparatus of UGA in comparison to Alabama and evidence that regardless of how this year's college football playoff ends, Georgia's not exiting the national stage anytime soon.
1: Right, and I think, you know, in spinning that a little bit, I actually think that's an example of Georgia being fortunate of the timing of the Dan Landing news. Obviously Chip Towers first broke it on Friday, but really Saturday was when that whole thing got confirmed and it was announced that he would be leaving for Georgia to to have those guys, to have a Marvin Jones on campus and be able to walk him through. All right, here's what we're doing next. Instead of him being at home waiting on a phone call while everything else is being sorted out, that sort of benefits Georgia in that situation there. And so Again, it's tough to predict when there's going to be another pandemic, but as long as there are visits, I think Kirby Smart has done as good a job as a coach in the country. And, again, Athens is a great city, but Athens the city doesn't exactly sell to these 17-, 18-year-old recruits of why they should come here. It's what you do in those interpersonal sit-downs, those conversations that you have with recruits that really make those visits as impactful as they do. And if Georgia closes with an Everett and they close with a Jones and they close with a Kamari Wilson – those visits might be the biggest reason why.
0: So let me give you a very inside baseball take here for a moment. You have to be a pretty plugged in Georgia fan to even know what this means. You mentioned a recruit before that I find very interesting. Like, I, I, you know, part of what's happening for me right now is not just thinking about what Georgia can still add, but also kind of reconsidering what Georgia has in the fold. Here's my very inside take that only like very plugged in Georgia fans are going to understand. I think Darius Smith is this year's version of Jamon Dumas Johnson. I, I think I think this is a guy that. When folks really acquaint themselves with him, I think they're going to be like, whoa, this is a, really a pretty good player. You know, Javon Dumas Johnson was probably not, you know, the most heralded guy that Georgia brought in. But once folks kind of saw him, some folks saw him in person during a scrimmage. Some folks obviously saw him in games. You know, you kind of you know hear the overall chatter about him. You realize, oh, in the future, man, uh, J.D.J. is going to be a pretty big part of this Georgia defense. Derrick Smith is a big dude. Like, this is a tall guy, a big body guy here. You know, for those people who kind of, you know, want to see Georgia kind of bring that element to its pass rush a little bit more, the kind of guy that can't just get swallowed whole by offensive tackles, that's one of those recruits and commits that I find myself to be just a little bit more interested in than maybe I was when he first committed to UGA.
1: Yeah, so your J.D.J. comparison, he did not have a senior season. It was wiped out because of the COVID pandemic, and – well, when he has stepped on the field, he has clearly been, I think, one of the better defensive p- backups that we have seen this season. You know, he's not the first guy off the bus type player, type athletic build. With Darius Smith, you know, playing down there in Appling County and is not exactly a, a well-known hub of players, so he's probably not getting seen as much as some of these other guys out there. But I, I think you look at the track record that Georgia has had with those types of players, you know – if you if if they identify you as someone who fits that bigger pass rush mold style, you look at a Jermaine Johnson, you look at an Adam Anderson. Those players have been productive and very good for Georgia. I don't know how quickly Darius Smith is going to sort of make his name known at Georgia just given the sort of, you know, rigors of going from small-town Georgia high school football to big-time SEC football, that can be a little bit of, of an adjustment. Whereas I think Jamon Jumas-Johnson playing at St. Francis Academy, maybe the 1B to IMG Academy's 1A in terms of premier national schools. I, I think that helped his transition there. But I think there are a couple guys in this class, Darius Smith, um, Oscar Delp. Like, yeah. I, I know – wide receiver and we'll talk about this after the fact the wide receiver recruiting i think leaves a little to be desired in this class but man oscar like if you were excited about what brock bowers did i think oscar Delp can do a lot of the same things for you this coming season there are a couple guys further down this class i mean you've seen him multiple times cole spear uh, you know i don't want to say lad mcconkey because that puts i think unrealistic expectations and we're not typecasting white receivers here but Every time you watch him play for Calhoun High School, that dude goes out and makes plays, and I think there's a very good chance that that translates to the next level there for Georgia.
0: Yeah, I want to talk to you more about the uh, Cole Spear thing here in a moment and that position group all the way around. We'll do that to kind of finish things up. Let me remind you, it's a Kroger Fresh Take with Connor Riley. Great to have him as part of the conversation here today. Also great to tell you about really fun stuff ongoing with the legendary former coach and athletic director Vince Dooley at a local Kroger. We told you about one yesterday. Let's tell you about one there today going to be signing Dooley's Playbook at the Woodstock Kroger. That's 2295 Town Lake Parkway, 2295 Town Lake Parkway. That's from 4 to 6 p.m. here this afternoon, Kroger and Woodstock. Yesterday, we had a, a great um, visit with Coach Dooley there at the Kroger and Sugar Hill. Today, it's coming up at the uh, Kroger there, Town Lake Parkway in Woodstock. So please be a part of this. First of all, Dooley's Playbook is a terrific collection of some of the great moments in Georgia football history, as told by Coach Dooley, but also accompanied by some beautiful paintings by the uh, renowned artist Steve Penley this is an amazing holiday gift it's even better when coach Dooley signs it for you he's got a beautiful signature Uh, he tells great stories in person this is a great great way to get that tough to buy for Christmas gift for that person on your list with uh, coach Dooley at the Kroger in Woodstock today one more time at address 2295 Town Lake Parkway in Woodstock from 4 to 6 p.m. today this has kind of become a tradition for us. Coach Dooley's done this at local Kroger's over the course of the last few years. I love telling you about it. I invite you to see him today in Woodstock if you're anywhere near that area as he signs Dooley's playbook today from 4 to 6 p.m. Really good stuff there. And, you know, Connor, to get back to receiver for a moment and get back to Spear in particular, I have seen him a few times. I don't mind telling you this, that I think in the past maybe I might would have disregarded a guy like Spear a little bit because, you know, for a number of reasons. Um but when you watch him play in person, there is a a real athletic profile that that he brings to the table. And I'm not saying this is the kind of thing that should make you not want a Luther Burden or not want an Evan Stewart or some of those guys that we at one point in time talked about that are now going elsewhere. I'm not saying this should make you forget about the five star receiver. Georgia still needs those too But do I think that Cole Spear can play at Georgia? I, I definitely do. Do I think that Denylan Morset can play at Georgia? I, I definitely do. I saw Morset have a beautiful touchdown catch in the game that i saw him do and i saw spear making plays on both sides of the ball and that ability to be a top flight defensive player i think speaks to the overall athleticism that he brings to georgia as a wide receiver this guy can run he doesn't shy away from contact um i'll be surprised if spear is not on the field for uga with a chance to contribute
1: yeah and i I think while plenty want to see georgia recruit those higher end luther burden type players and bring them into this class I think with what you've seen with Cortez Hankton and, and even Todd Munkin there as well, they've done an incredible job of identifying lower-ranked recruits that can not only play at Georgia but come in and play early. We mentioned Lad McConkey, second-leading receiver on the team this season. I don't think anybody expected that right. in what would have been McConkey's potential fifth year at Georgia, much less his second year. Uh, A.D. Mitchell coming in and having the impact that he has had at Georgia. They've done an incredible job of identifying guys who can fit a certain athletic profile that are maybe, for whatever reason, under-evaluated. You know, McConkie's story is well-known. Adonai Mitchell's a similarly did not have a high school se- senior season there, reclassified. For whatever reason, these guys are a little bit undervalued. And I, I think Georgia has done a great job of sort of moneyballing at that wide receiver position of finding, for whatever reason, something that other teams or other players, programs don't exactly value and using that and adding to this wide receiver room while yes Georgia is going to lose George Pickens after this year to the NFL draft and there might be some further attrition there again if, if this wide receiver room can stay healthy which it couldn't this year that wide receiver position figures to be a strength next year for Georgia and I expect that to be the case even adding a guy like a Cole Spear
0: but and this will be my last point to you Connor I I just want to temper expectations. Mm-hmm. I really do because, like the one thing that I've been talking about a lot is is that Georgia is in the progress. They are in a process of upgrading their offense, and it's the kind of thing that's told over the course of multiple years. It's not a button you push from one off season to the next. It's not going to happen. To me, a very reasonable goal, and this is a little bit of a stretch goal, but 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 still, it's 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 a reasonable achievement. Georgia needs a receiver next year to be somewhat resemblant of, of what. Brock Bowers has done this year and by that I mean tangibly specifically Bowers is first team all SEC and he has the look of a future first round pick of the 10 or 11 wide receivers that are going to be on this team next year they need to find one of them who can be nearly that good I don't think that's asking too much from a from a whole position group to find one guy who can play at a similar level and if you do that if you pair a receiver with what you expect from Bowers in his second year in this program then that's another step forward for this offense and eventually if you use what you have you'll get what you want in other words if you develop the receivers you can get eventually you can get the receivers that you want to get but you got to take that crop of talent you have whether it be third year guy guy who just showed up a little bit more improvement from a guy like lad McConkey, whatever else you need a receiver next year to remind you of what Brock Bowers did for you this year and I don't think that's asking too much
1: right and if you look at the success Alabama had against Georgia in the SEC championship game well, yes, Jameson Williams is an outstanding individual player and made some outstanding individual plays in that game. What really just killed Georgia was John Mechie and having that second elite wide yeah. receiver that they could get the ball to to make consistent first downs, to move the chains, to be a guy that Georgia, for a variety of reasons, either did not or could not cover. And so if you have multiple of those types of guys, if you, you know, and we might even get to see that in the playoffs, depending on how much healthier George Pickens gets. Yeah. If you're able to have that and make defenses choose, all right, do we commit more guys to the middle of the field to try and take away Brock Powers, or do we commit guys on the outside to try and take away whoever that star-wide receiver is? Because that's what they're going to need to be. They're going to need a true star-wide receiver. Ladd McConkey's a good player. He's not quite yet a star player. So if they can find that star-wide receiver – that's going to open up a lot of different things for it, not just Brock Bowers, but the rest of this Georgia offense.
0: Yeah, I think that's really good. Connor, I know you got a lot of stuff coming over the course of the next 24 hours, really the next couple of days related to the early signing period. We'll look forward to reading that from you at dognation.com. We'll also look forward to speaking to you here on Dog Nation Daily, uh, again very soon there as well as part of our Kroger Fresh
1: Take. We certainly appreciate your time. Yep, as always, it was a pleasure to
0: Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Group. All right, very fun to be able to get that kind of recruiting update from Connor Riley here before the start of the early signing period. What a time it is to be a dog fan. George in the mix for a bunch of big names and uh, really a strong prediction from Connor, really predicting that Georgia knocks them all down tomorrow, getting Kamari Wilson, getting Dalen Everett, getting, getting Marvin Jones Jr., Uh, that would be quite the addition tomorrow if georgia is indeed able to do that and in the midst of all this happening for georgia there is also some massive news around the sec we'll do our part to cover all of that in fact let's do that as we go cruise around the sec courtesy of royal caribbean i gotta tell you we are getting so excited about the start of the royal caribbean cruise dog nation's first ever cruise coming up here in the month of april this is going to be incredibly fun And we want you to be a part of it. If you go to dognation.com at the link at the top of the page, you can find out more about that. You can get signed up. You get registered to be there with us. For not just a cruise but a dog nation cruise leaving out of port canaveral this upcoming april in 2022 heading to yeah if you don't mind let's take the uh the lower third off just so folks can see those dates there on that april 25th of the 29th tickets are on sale for this right now we're going to be going to nassau the bahamas perfect day coco K on the independence of the seas which is a beautiful beautiful ship for uh, Royal Caribbean special Dog Nation events, all the fun things are associated though with Perfect Day Coke. Okay, you've heard me talk about that private island in the Bahamas. It's got the thrill side with the slides and the helium balloon, and get the chill side which has the private cabanas almost very relaxing, very enjoyable, the kind of thing that I probably am going to uh, like being a part of. Whichever side of the island you gravitate towards, Perfect Day Coco Cay is truly perfect for everyone one way or another. Nassau, a really fun port to visit. I've been there a few times myself, and it's always an exceptional stop, and it will be again for us on our Dog Nation cruise. Plus, Independence of the Seas is just a uh, wonderful, wonderful ship there, too uh really a part of the great fleet of ships royal caribbean it's great to have them back on the seas again and great to be on board with you coming up this april so dognation.com find a link there at the top of the page it'll take you to the cruise and vacation authority that's who we're using as our partner to help you book all of this we'll get you there uh, with us leaving out of port canaveral this upcoming april for a wonderful dog nation cruise on board independence of the seas we go to nassau and perfect day Coco k and have a great time there with that I tell you, Osa's having a great time right now. That's South Carolina coach Shane Beamer, because he pulled it off yesterday. And this is kind of an example of what I said a moment ago, that sometimes the way to pull off a really big coup in college football is to do it as quiet as possible, that the, the noisier it is, the more likely something steps in the way and has a chance to kind of just slow it all down. Well, yesterday, without really much in the way of rumor leading up to this, beamer pulled off a shocker yesterday adding spencer rattler a transfer from oklahoma into the fold now beamer and rattler have a relationship going back to to at least presumably going back to the time in which beamer was a assistant coach on the oklahoma staff so maybe that's what beamer kind of leans on here to get rattler in the fold and this is a big time addition in a day and age in which you i mean listen this past year south carolina used a grad assistant at quarterback uh, they used a transfer from what, like St. Francis, an FCS school? Uh, I mean, they have had to reach all over the place for all kinds of quarterback stuff. And now the thing they had in 2020, they were going to have in 2022, a guy who started 2021 as one of the odds on favor to win the Heisman Trophy. And yes, I know, you know, Rattler eventually got benched at Oklahoma. But don't act like this isn't a big get for Beamer in South Carolina, the kind of thing that will get your attention. They're also adding Austin Stogner there as well a uh, pass catching tight end so so two big additions from the Oklahoma program for Shane Beamer there at South Carolina I don't know that this makes you know Beamer and the Gamecocks a threat in the SEC east that's probably still a bridge too far but on a game-by-game basis does this make South Carolina a tougher out it almost certainly does almost certainly does uh, make make them a tougher team to beat on a week-by-week basis and you know I would say that Rattler will be in contention to be among the best quarterbacks in the SEC next season this a big addition for South Carolina it also comes by comparison at a time in which a lot of other SEC programs are losing quarterbacks you know Max Johnson's already announced he's leaving LSU we've you know uh talked about you know the departure of Bo Nix from Auburn we talked about that yesterday we also found out that Zach Calzada is leaving Texas A&M so this is a time in which south carolina is getting stronger at quarterback while a lot of other sec teams are losing their their star now it's about to get really wild here in this quarterback carousel because you know for a while we were hearing maybe maybe max johnson to florida state but all of a sudden now you know there's been some chatter about max johnson maybe going to texas a&m what a&m did on the final weekend before early signing period this past weekend was amazing in terms of the recruits they hosted and all of a sudden now with uh max's brother the former lsu committed tight end slated to to announce his commitment tomorrow that's gonna all of a sudden provide to be a pretty big clue as to where max johnson's also going there too uh so we may have one of these quarterbacks at least in the case of max johnson at least possibly moving on from lsu to texas a and m There's at least a rumor out there on that. There was some early chatter about Florida State. So with these quarterbacks on the move, we're about to see kind of who lands where. But South Carolina, no matter how the rest of this plays out, would appear to be the big winner right now by adding a quarterback of the caliber of Spencer Rattler. This was an eye-opening piece of news for Shane Beamer yesterday. Pretty big stuff. It also obscures completely some what would otherwise be, I think, good news for Auburn. You know, Auburn. We talked yesterday about the reports that were out there that Tank Bigsby was going to enter the transfer portal, and if he had he officially entered the portal, almost certainly would have been a would have been a running back of some interest to UGA, given the fact that Georgia had recruited Bigsby pretty heavily before uh Bigsby ultimately signed at Auburn. Well it stands now as it stands now, Bigsby's changed his mind and he's actually not going to enter the portal, he's gonna stay at Auburn. Now I joke with our video audience a little earlier, my kind of conspiratorial brain cannot be turned off. There was a part of me that wondered was all of this just a setup up on the part of Auburn to make it seem like they were getting some good news? They need some good news. They're not going to get a ton of great recruiting news tomorrow, it wouldn't seem like. They've lost their quarterback, Bo Nix. It's a legacy name leaving the program. Was all of this just an orchestration to make it seem like Auburn got a win? Well, if that was the case, I don't have any reason to believe that it was. I'm just sort of speculating out loud. It is kind of funny. They completely was overshadowed by the news of Rattler going to Oklahoma this is a South Carolina program that beat Auburn on the field and when I interviewed Shane Beamer on Friday he was very quick to mention that hey we beat Florida we beat Auburn this year that was a signature win for Beamer and (laughs) seemingly he's gotten another win over auburn just now dominating the news cycle the rattler news kind of the page one headline with the decision of bigsby to come back to auburn getting completely obscured by that There was also some chatter out there kind of a weird thing about mike gundy attempting to throw his hat in the ring for the florida job wanting that job you know gundy at one point time was kind of in the mix for tennessee and some places like that uh But maybe he was also interested in coming. Supposedly turned down the Tennessee job twice, supposedly, but was in the mix to uh, want to come to Florida. On stuff like this, I never quite, you know, know what to believe and what not to believe. But that chatter was out there a little bit, and we'll make that your SEC through. I was going to do some of the Dan Lanning stuff today about his press conference from yesterday, uh, Connor. If you don't mind, I think I need to wait and do that tomorrow. I'm just running a little bit late here today, so let me let me hold off on some of the Lanning stuff. He did say a couple of interesting things yesterday that I do think are worth uh, paying more attention to than i have a chance to do right now on that so we'll save that uh for tomorrow i'll also tell you great time to try some classic city lager if you have not done that yet uh you know a lot of holiday parties i think we have i think we have you know what three holiday parties here just this week alone uh christmas parties for uh my wife and i will be going a lot of places you better believe we'll be toting some classic city lager with us when we go uh, to these kinds of uh, events, and it goes well with you when you're having your own Christmas parties there too, whatever holiday gathering that you're a part of. You can pick some up whatever you do, wherever you're doing your shopping. You're buying some groceries, things like that. Pick up some classic city lager from Creature Comfort's Brewing Company there as well. It's available all year long in six and 12-pack cans. It's a craft style lager. That means even though it's lighter in color, even though it's a lager style beer, it's still got great flavor because it's the kind of thing you would come to expect from Creature Comforts Brewing Company. You know, I like simple things. A lot of you've told me you like it too. It's just good cold beer and what could be better than that? So make sure you check out some Classic City Lager today if you have not. Um I will mention some sad news here and this is certainly worthy of your uh, attention. Steve Greer a guy that has a a great legacy of Georgia as a former terrific player, as an administrator there at UGA, was a part of the coaching staff at one point in time, too. He passed away yesterday. Uh, uh, Jeff Dancer, our buddy, put this in on Twitter. I'll show you Jeff's tweet about this because I thought he honored uh, Stephen in a great way. He says, a great man, beloved All-American Bulldog, legendary player and coach. Erk Russell told me he was the toughest player he ever coached. Rest in peace coach Steve Greer. Uh, really good stuff there from uh, Jeff on that. And I certainly uh, appreciate you know sharing that about Steve Greer and the great legacy that he leaves behind there at the University of Georgia. Uh, no question about that. Uh, a name to be remembered and one that we want to honor here around here today there as well. Um, it kind of leads me into this. To be completely honest with you, today is a little bit of a bittersweet day for me doing the show because i obviously love doing the show uh today though would have been my dad's birthday ironically it's also almost exactly a year since he passed away a lot of you remember that a year ago and i've been thinking about that a lot and it's kind of funny there was a connection i did not quite make i guess maybe i knew this and i'd sort of forgotten about it um so it's also Charlie Trippy's birthday today there as well. Trippi uh, is 100 years old today. That's that's really amazing. Trippy, if you're a younger fan, you may not realize how great of a player that Trippy was for the Bulldogs. Not a Heisman Trophy winner, but he was the number one overall pick in the NFL draft. Um, he's one of the four jerseys that's retired at UGA, played for the Chicago Cardinals. I remember there's a local radio station where I grew up in Gainesville, and if you ever go to their, their lobby, uh, WDUN, their lobby, they have like some old like newspaper advertisements from like back in the 40s and 50s and you know one of them they advertised on the weekends they were airing chicago cardinal games because that was as they say in parenthesis charlie trippy's team that's how big of a deal trippy obviously was there at the time um you know my grandfather on my mom's side i only heard him brag on two athletes in my entire time of being alive one of them was charlie trippy other was ted williams that's the kind of that's the kind of uh i guess rarefied air that trippy sort of had as a player but the one connection i did not really make was is that uh trippy's birthday is the same day as my dad's and i actually found an old tweet from my dad let me show you this on the screen here a little bit uh this was my dad from 2019 acknowledging the fact that uh his birthday the same as Charlie Trippies. He says, "I'm honored to share my December fourteenth birthday with a dog legend, Charlie Trippy. Happy birthday, Mister Trippy! He would have been, I guess, what ninety eight at the time. The first Georgia player my dad ever told me about. So uh, my dad has his own memories of that in terms of how he was uh, made aware of Trippy by his own father. And just such such a bittersweet day. Obviously, I've got great memories of my father, and much the same way his dad told him UGA football stories. My dad told those stories for me. Never really made the connection." That my dad's birthday, Charlie trippy's birthday were the same thing, although I guess I would have seen that tweak there at the time. But, um, and just in thinking about today's show, that's pretty heavy there on my heart and mind. So, for all of you getting ready to enjoy Christmas or getting ready to enjoy the college football playoff with the Georgia fans in your life, family, friends, whatever else, just keep them close to you and appreciate every single moment that you have because certainly getting here to do this show today you know, my dad just still remains very, uh, very heavy on my mind. So happy birthday to Charlie Trippy! So happy to celebrate 100 years for Mr. Trippy, And obviously, I do that with my own dad on my mind uh, here right now. And kind of an awkward transition from that to this. But I, I do want to talk to you about a decision that a lot of you get a chance to make as you kind of come to the end of this year and you start thinking about your upcoming year and for a lot of you or for maybe for the children in your life it's about hey setting yourself up for a career and kind of what you want to do with that. And for some people it's a traditional college but for other people the idea of a traditional college comes with incredible burden, incredible financial uh, challenges. And that's where my friends at the technical college of system of Georgia kind of step in there, because they can get you ready for a career that you love in two years or less. And you could be ready to really participate in a a, a very lucrative field, making great money in kind of an easy, uh, easy path. And as I was mentioning before, in, in something like this, tuition is actually pretty surprisingly uh, affordable. And uh, your job placement rate, when you're a part of the technical college system of Georgia, you're going to 99% of the time, you're going to kind of move through that and be ready to be in a job that you're going to love and a very rewarding, very financially lucrative field. So the technical college system of Georgia has got 22 colleges offering more than 600 programs that allow you to, and you've heard me say this before, succeed sooner. Who wouldn't want to be able to do that? Uh in fact, two of the hottest careers in Georgia right now, aviation technicians and commercial truck drivers. There's a huge need for that. You already know that. You can actually learn to be a truck driver right now through our friends of the technical college system of Georgia. Uh you can also uh you could potentially obtain a CDL, that's a commercial driver's license, in like 10 weeks or less. So you can do all this very quick with our friends of the Technical College System of Georgia. So to find out more about this, I want you to check out this website. It's TCSG.edu. That's TC sg.edu. You can find a college near you that has all kinds of rewarding career opportunities awaiting you that give you a chance to succeed sooner with our friends at the Technical College System of Georgia. So speaking of my dad, the other thing I think about him a lot on is is that we actually started the golden shoe when I returned to work. You know, I was gone for like two weeks last year because my uh, dad had passed away. And spending that time with my family and just trying to be there to support my mom and everything that goes along with that. And so um, I spent like two weeks away and it was really hard to come back to work. It was just one of those things. A lot of you've been there before, too. You've experienced loss. So many of us have experienced loss over these last couple of years. And we have to kind of get back in the grind, even if it's a job like this that you love. And I do truly love my job. um, It's kind of hard sometimes to kind of get back into that again. Well, when i returned from work after having been away uh during that time that's when we started the golden shoe the the you know the florida lsu game had just happened right before that and so it was such a fun way for me to kind of get re-engaged again at a time in which i wasn't really in the mood to have all that much fun so And in a weird way, almost every single day that I do the golden shoe, it's almost kind of like a secret homage to him because I was thankful to have something like that to make me laugh again at a time which I didn't really feel much like laughing. So, uh, you know, we'll just kind of mention that there as a way of just loving those in our life that have kind of helped put us in the spot where we are in now to appreciate and love Georgia football. And so hopefully you'll be holding yours close and staying close to all those folks in your life as we head towards this Christmas and holiday time. And with that in mind, I know my dad loved being a Gator hater, so we'll say that here there as well. 319 days from right now, Georgia in Jacksonville to beat those lousy stinking Gators once again. That is our Gator Hater countdown. We will see all of you tomorrow. Dog Nation daily presented by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. Part of the lack of comments at the end of today's show with our podcast cool down, but we will hopefully be able to return back to that tomorrow. We've got an assignment today that's going to take us away from that, but tomorrow, kind of do a signing day edition of that, let you have some comments. So Hit me up on Twitter at DogNationDaily, and of course, online at DogNation.com. We'll read some of those during that time tomorrow. As always, thank you so much for listening to the program, and